We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. the vandals of idaho welcome back tribe from the north brave and bold to the official unofficial podcast of your idaho vandals and the vandal affiliate on the big sky podcast network i'm your host chris hammond and joining me today from office hours we have the professor brian marceau how are you brian doing great man uh we've got a lot to look forward to in this, these next couple weeks. So doing great. Talking about the football season's over, goes by in a blink, but glad to be here. Yep. And no producer dammer or boatman today. So I'll be running the show from the, you know, not the shadows trying to produce and host. So best of luck to me, but luckily we have a professional in the building with us today. We have for you longtime listeners, Johnny Mallory, AKA Johnny Mallory from Prater in the ball game, ball game. How are you? Hey, guys. I hope you got my check. Actually, it should be in the mail uh, to pay you guys to let me come on tonight on this historic edition of the Tubbs at the Club podcast. A lot to talk about. I'm with Mars on this one. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, Vandal fans are, are interested. You know, they want to know what's going to happen with the future of this program. And, you know, a, a fun program, an interesting program. You know, Idaho hasn't been that as of late. And, yeah, Marceau hit the nail on the head on that, I thought. Like, yeah, people are interested in Idaho football right now, regardless of how the season ended. People are just looking forward to the future and crossing their fingers, man. Yeah, so let's get into this. We're going to do a quick, a little bit of a season review. We were talking pre-show, you know. If every coach is its own book and, and you know, series – this was Harry Potter, right? We just had whatever the nineteenth nineteenth book released. Why spend time, you know, covering too much of the last chapter of that book you just finished? Let's get excited and preview the next book that's getting released. But we do want to, you know, go through uh, kind of our the thoughts on the season because Brian and I were also talking. The team did a pretty good job of ha- being reined in this year, having a very good idea of who this team was going to be. Uh, I think a couple of us had us in the world playoff spoiler. We zero spoiled zero playoffs either but uh win totals wise uh we were there brian kind of what were your thoughts on the season your predictions on the season and you know talk about where the team was compared to where you thought they'd be well to get to give everyone a range the the guy who picked the fewest wins was dallas he picked four i picked five chris i believe you picked you and boatman also picked five no one picked a winning season we're all right around there the what we did differently is mo- most of us predicted a win against NAU and a loss against Idaho State. Well, we just traded those, but that's not the big deal. Uh, the big kind of the story of this season, obviously, it was Paul's last season, but in terms of week by week, when we didn't know that, this team was just a much more dramatic version of what we had projected earlier in the season, where, yeah, we thought we'd lose to NAU in Montana. Uh, didn't think we'd get outscored uh, about 112 to, tw- to what, 28. Uh, but then also we figured Idaho State would be close, was close. Figured, figured we'd beat Southern Utah. We beat Southern Utah. Didn't think we'd have the same quarterback stuff in spring repeat. But honestly, 
I'm a little, I'm just a little bit shocked with how stable our projections for Idaho were because again, four to five was the range. That's exactly what we got. Didn't Martin only have us at like seven wins too? Our, our, our perennial optimist, even it was a bit down for his standards. Yeah. Johnny, if you're not familiar, Martin's essentially our uh, personified Prozac and uh, yeah, he, he projected seven wins or eight wins, something like that, but that, that, that's you say our undefeated guy. We're going that, undefeated. We'll smoke Montana. So it was a down year, and I think we nailed it. It, it was a down year. Or I guess it was exactly the kind of year we thought it was going to be. It, it was a little more chaotic than we thought it'd be. We, we've known chaos for Idaho football was just how the last handful of years had been. What are we going to be? This is a, a dramatic version. Ball game. you, of course, saw this you know, from a different lens with Sean Boise, center of the universe, what was, your, what was your reaction, how the, how the season turned out? They didn't win enough, bottom line. And I think most folks knew, you know, with Paul Petrino's contract situation expiring in June, you know, uh, it was probably, you know, he, make the playoffs or just miss it this year or the team goes, the school goes in a different direction. That's what they did. He just didn't win enough. But on top of that, you know, my perspective of the season We'd love, we, Prater and I would love to talk Vandals if there was something interesting to talk about in some cases. Dude, there hasn't been. And we've looked, man. Like, they have not been, they haven't won enough, and that's why Paul's gone, obviously. But also, he he wasn't entertaining. The, the team didn't, the fan base, I'm sorry, I felt didn't didn't associate with the team very much. It was prickly. You know, it, it, it was prickly. And, and, and when you don't win games, I mean, obviously you're gone in that sense, but um, just there wasn't much to talk about, guys. You know that, right? I yeah. mean, on a, on a state-level perspective, they lost a lot more than they won, and they were not entertaining doing it. Yeah, and you guys did a great job kind of like trying in the spring, right? Like you guys tried to get into it. Idaho gave every reason for people to tr- believe they could get into it. And you guys yeah. did a real good, you know, effort at it. And then Idaho didn't really hold up its end of the bargain. And then, well, at least they did, they up. did give us a bone to chew on a little bit, Hammond. Yeah. You know, the spring football right. season was kind of fun. And then you get Hennessy on. He's gone now, too. But I mean, Hennessy is the antithesis of an interview with Coach Petrino. You know, yeah. Hennessy's hilarious, entertaining. But a lot less people in our audience care about Idaho State than Idaho. We have a pretty good, solid. We have a solid Vandal fan base, and and we interviewed Paul Petrino. I did for every week for the last two years. I you know, spent a lot of time talking with Coach Petrino, and and I respect the heck out of him. He knows he didn't win enough. Everybody does, but um, he just wasn't the type of guy. He's not an entertainer. He, he's not into that part of the job requirement. And it showed on his interviews too, and that's just who he is, and that's fine if 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 you win. But if you don't win, regardless, you're out, and that's why the Idaho Vandals have a job opening right now, huh, guys? You know? Yep. Yeah, and I like how like you guys kind of hinted on on your guys' show last Thursday after we broke the news, like you guys were talking about, like you know, we interviewed him on Tuesday, and he kind of gave us like his first compliment, and you're kind of like that was kind of weird. And then you're like, now that makes a little bit more sense. Um, But I think the cool part is, like, he went out winning a trophy. He went out beating a rival. 
in a game that like obviously fantasy's feeling the same way being like out and he's able to get in there he gets the win so like i'd rather be paul petrino on saturday than fantasy but uh i'm sure as a guy who yeah. coach, sunday yeah. was super weird like after that euphoria getting the trophy the team put him up on his shoulder pads like you can tell the players loved him uh so i feel like he it sucks for both guys but at least paul went out with the win uh was able to get the fourth win of the season but uh uh, let's do our like 10 second recap. We have to first dub the game, which this is not my name that I came up with, but forever now and forever, this game, Idaho, Idaho State 2021 is the brawl of the fired. That's it. <laughs> it's the brawl of the fired. Idaho scores two touchdowns early, rush rushes by Zach Borish and a touchdown by fullback Trace Latexier. No points after that. It was all sadness after that. Uh, one of the rougher games I've seen in my life. We don't need to dwell there. The good news is for Paul, yeah, it was another game. He got the W. Fantasy, oh man, uh, he, he got, he just got all the ugliness. That was it. He uh, a news was announced on Saturday, which of course the team would have known prior. And he is also Idaho State isn't like completely dismissing him. He's being reassigned within the athletic department. I don't know if that means he's reassigned and then he just never shows up. But that is different than Paul in that Paul is just done. Fantasy is resigned, which honestly sounds worse than being told, hey, we're just done. Yeah. Yep. Watch the new guy every day. <laughs> Probably <laughs> not. To do a Mallory uh, like, uh, comparison. That's like, yeah, your girlfriend says you could still live in the house, but I'm definitely dating this other guy. So. Yeah, not gonna happen, man. Not gonna, not gonna, not gonna work here anymore, man. Yeah, no, you can uh, stay here. I'll, I'll say this, Marcel. Huh? I'll say this. Um, I heard that the plane ride home, although very short, was super sweet. I heard from some people who were on there, and uh, they basically did, you know, a, it was like they had won the Big Sky Championship coming back on that plane, sending Coach Petrino out that way, knowing the season's over. Guys like Trey Walker now pursuing a career professionally, you know, and other guys, and it's just, it was a, it was a terrific way for those guys who've been through a lot um, look at the freshmen, uh, I mean, the seniors when they were freshmen, the, the path that they went on through here and Coach Petrino, it was, I heard it was a pretty fun flight home. And I've been on some of those flights and uh, usually on football flights home, even if it's a big win, after about 10 minutes, everybody just goes to sleep, dude. The whole plane is just silent after a win and after a loss. And uh, apparently that Vandal one was anything but, but. Yeah. That's good and for them, like man. Hundredth game. I mean, that's just talking about these being books. Perfect closing of that book. Like you get to go out on that high note, cliff note, feel good story. But we get to get into the good stuff. Brian, are you ready to move into the good stuff, or do you have any kind of closing points on the season? Good to go, man. I mean, if we were to grade the season, I mean, I I would probably give it a D, but. It's the good news for us to me is it's about to be an open book for someone else and whatever baggage people have had for the last years uh, relating to, to Idaho fandom and Petrino, which Johnny, you were talking about a second ago about like the fan base feeling bristly. Now is the time to do a complete reset. There's no baggage for whoever the new guy is. He has to have a fresh start. It's a, it gets to be a new day. Yeah, unless we go full Vandal retread, I, I believe on your guys' show, oh God. I know Prater's leaders in the clubhouse are Chris Tormey and uh, Joel Thomas after uh, your guys' show today. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, I love it. You know, the beautiful thing about that segment was 
today talking about being the 25th anniversary of 64 to 19 Idaho over Boise State that game. It was it was fun talking Idaho Boise State. Like I had forgotten how special that conversation was, and how people and how the phone lights individual games. Like people were at those games, man. A lot yeah. of our listeners have been season ticket holders forever, and you don't even get it. It, it. it should happen in men's basketball. It doesn't. That's a whole nother tubs at the club. I get it, but like yeah. it was nice. Me and Prater going back and forth and taking calls. From both sides, both fan bases. Yeah. That was fun again. And it's just, I miss that game so much. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it'll never happen like that again, as we all know. But yeah, that's kind of where I was with that. Pending man. miracles, but. Fun, fun show today. I mean, Idaho yeah. Boise State was a special thing for a lot of people for a long time. And you, know, you, you whippersnappers don't even remember it, Hammond. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> <laughs> year, last, last one in the dome. Dude, that's, <laughs> that's the thing that we've had. One of the things for us, Chris, and then we can get to the to next stuff in a second. That's been different about the, the joining the Big Sky and, and our Big Sky Podcast Network with all the shows that we like. A ton of Montana dudes do not understand that Idaho Boise State absolutely had Montana Montana State energy, Montana Montana State hatred. I mean, you just look look at the archived ticket sales of all of the most recent games football games they're all just sold out the the number of fans it just equals number of seats that's it every single time and when regardless i was venue yep when i was at yeah exactly chris regardless of venue so in boise there's more people because bigger venue in moscow it's just sold out god man i'd kill for that to come back i don't have to take us on a tangent anywhere but just uh, big a lot of big sky dudes just don't know because we left the big sky and they lost it but idaho boise state it was real the entire state was behind it yeah, I'm gonna. I got. I got a little story I want to say in a little bit okay, about okay. about Idaho, Boise State, and stuff. But I know we got to move on. But I got. I mean, I had a great experience. I don't know if you guys were at this particular game, but we'll get to it. Set me up for it later, man. I. Okay. I, it was a great, great time in the dome, man. Yeah. Uh. So let's kind of get in. If anyone wants like deep dives, got a short list on the website. Brian Dallas Boatman and I on Sunday did like. Well, Boatman and I did an hour and a half. Ryan and Dallas did about 20 minutes. So we've threw out just a lot of candidates, but, you know, people are eating up the content. So we figured get another opinion on it. Uh, ball game just covered a coaching search about 365 days ago, it feels like, for Boise State. Um, so, you know, you're, you're familiar with this kind of ground, how the rumors kind of even flow. Kind of what, what would you like to see in Idaho's next coach? Like if you're athletic Gallic, not saying names, but like, this, the, you know, here's my check boxes of what I want to see from the next leader of this team. Yeah, first off, for sports radio, it's it's that's the best segment ever, right? A coaching search, like you can go at anywhere you want. You can have wild card candidates. You can trace all these steps. Well, this guy coached in the league at this time on those years as an outside linebacker coach, so he knows the system. You know. Like you can just tr connect oh, yeah. so many dots in a coaching search that you just can't in most other topics. So I love it, man. Especially when it's my alma mater and a program that I, you know, that I give a shit about. You know, oh, um, anybody with ties to Wisconsin right now is getting like little so, nudges, like, oh well, Terry was at Wisconsin for fifteen years. Yeah, <laughs> totally. 
and, and I'll tell you this about what I want boxes check, checked or whatever. Um, I like the list of candidates I've seen floating around there. A lot of them, let me just say this, make a lot of sense. And I would support, I would buy in hook, line, and sinker if they were able to get some of these, uh, some of these candidates. Um, I, I, you know, choose obviously, uh, you, you, you gotta hit this higher. I think, I think it's a very important higher. Uh, so, I mean, this goes without saying, but be as intelligent as you can with this. Um, I think the main goal is to make Idaho sooner rather than later, like an upper level big sky football program or an upper mid level big sky football program, you know, where you're competing for third and fourth in the conference, which you think might get you a bid in the tournament. Maybe so as being competing for one and two right away, you know, and, and that's, that, that's the biggest goal for me. Like no, none of this, you can't win four games in the big sky anymore, guys, you know, become an upper level big sky football program. And I think they have the resources to do that. Um, I don't know if I, and let me just say this, and I don't think this is a prerequisite. This is not a box I, I need checked. But personality would be a lot of fun with this hire, guys. Sometimes you just throw the fan base a bone and give them something fun to chew on, just like your dog in the living room, right? Again, not saying it's a prerequisite, because you have to find the right coach who's going to turn this into an upper-level Big Sky football program. That's the goal. If, if the candidate can have personality, oh, man, that's such a benefit. And, and, and I, hope, I hope Terry Golick goes in this direction. Like, win the press conference. You know, get people excited. You know, people like you, they're more willing to go support you. If you're a nice guy and you're out there in the community, that wasn't personality-wise, that wasn't that wasn't Paul Petrino's deal. And that's okay. But when you don't win, you're going to be gone regardless of your personality. So in this hire, I was thinking, you know what? Let's it, it wouldn't kill him to have some fun. Rob Akey was fun. I loved Rob Akey. I loved covering Rob Akey. I loved getting to know Rob Akey. He didn't win enough. It was over. He, that was it. But, man, I wanted him to win. I loved those teams in 08, 09, 10, the Enderly, Shiloh KO, Big Mike era. Those teams were fun. And I think people in Moscow would still tell you just on the street corner, hey, I remember that team, Max Komar, catching that touchdown, Nathan Enderly, like, I don't feel that that's happened in the Petrino era at all, where like Vandal fans kind of connect. They uh, even casual fans can name five guys on the team. That type of flow. I mean, I, God, I wanted Rob Akey to win. I wish he would have, but he didn't. And and also remember, guys, when you when you raise the ceiling, you also raise the floor. So when Akey won the 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 bowl game in '09. And then won what six games the next year? He was, I think, fourteen and twelve in a two-year span. Rob Akey was. Yep. No more one and elevens, man. No more two and tens. You don't get to go one and eleven anymore when you went to a bowl game and won it. You just can't. And I think that's what ultimately came back in in in, in bit Rob Akey. But I'll just leave it there. I know you asked a question about boxes checked. 
and you got me going. I just can I get a guy who's got a decent resume and who's going to win the press conference, have some personality. Yeah, I think you're, <laughs> on, that, on that, Johnny. Like you're one of the reasons I'm with you on that. Now, of course, I want a good. I want someone good first. Phase, that is the yep. the box I want is they need to not suck, but this team has to engage the fan base in a way they haven't in the last. I don't know how many years. I mean, you can just look at the number of empty seats we had in the dome from last year. And yes, winning is going to change some of that. It's going to have to be more than winning. The getting good, good attendance in the FCS after we've had the drop down and for four bad seasons in a row during a drop down, it's going to take more. We're, we're going to have to get people who are, who've decided to check out from Vanda football. They need a reason to check back in, which side note point. I just have to bring up, Listener Mike Mai brought this up to me, and I'm stealing the quote. There's a lot of vandals who we've heard before say in so many at some point they chose to check out of donating to the program until Paul was gone, particularly after the Mason time. Paul's gone, guys. If you're ready to support the team, you got to give him a clean slate. There's no other. If if you were one of those guys who was checking out because Mm -hmm. of Paul, he's done. What you wanted has happened. It's time to get back in the game. Contact your local VSF. Yeah, and uh, ball game smashed it here, basically saying exactly what uh, Boatman's kind of been saying and why. Like he thinks Scott Green is going to have a really strong hand in this too. Football coach is a top three position at your university because football coaches or presidents and ads aren't going on a weekly showdown in Boise. You know, like that is advertising for your school. That's getting you know clips now, like gifts and stuff are going all over the internet. Coach clips. I need more dogs, et cetera. Like if you get somebody with some energy, I know the Montana state people have that Jeff Choate fist pump. Like you got to find a way to put that energy into your program. Cause a football coach is probably the most visible person at a university. Uh, and so they can be very instrumental in other aspects of the university. If they bring a little bit of personality. And again, I'm not saying Hammond starting this whole deal that it's a box that you have to check. No, but it Find would be the right candidate for everything this university wants. Their box is checked. It's just, for me, a nice bonus if the candidate, if the coach can come in and, you know, Rob Akey style, man, it was fun. People yeah, liked that program. But he just didn't win enough. Yeah. Watch second half. You're going to love it. Johnny Ballgame, <laughs> you're hotter than a $2 pistol, man. I, you know, I loved him. <laughs> hey there, he didn't win enough, though. No. But, yeah, I think if you have level candidates and you're pulling strings at this point, like, go with the personality because at least they'll get the fan base back active because you already lost fans to the FCS decision. Then you lost fans with Daddy Ball. And then you lost fans with continuing losing. So, like, it's a chance to get at least some of those fans back. And be back to where we were with Aki, where, like, even when we were losing, we still had a decent fan base following the team. It's just been killed off. And I think you got to find a little bit of personality would go a long way. Um, but yeah, uh, with all that said, Brian, do you have any other like additional checkboxes you're really looking for? I know you, you have been a big offensive guy, but is, is that just more of a preference for you, or do you want an offensive hire here? Part of that's preference. The, no matter how I describe this, I want the best guy. So, for example, like we've talked about Jeff Choate uh, potentially being interested in this job. We, we've had good, reasonable sources say he might be interested in this job. If he is, if that's correct, I don't care that his offensive stuff is weird. He would be, it, we, if he's interested, we'd be insane to not be interested. 
But if, if we if we get someone who throws the ball around, has more fun style, I'm game for that. I do kind of like what you and Boatman talked about on the last episode, which if you guys are curious about just to talk to a potential shortlist or the type of candidates we might see, uh, Chris and Boatman did a great deep dive, strapping on their uh, scuba gear to go over di- different uh, potential guys we might we might look at. And a point that Boatman made, and Chris, you made it too, is – Offensive names are sometimes easier for fans to wrap their heads around, but uh, recently the big sky, a lot of coaches, even coaches with, whose teams have good offenses, have defensive backgrounds. And a lot of coaches with special teams and offensive line backgrounds often become the type of head coaches who will actually take, the ra- take their hands off of their coordinators and let their offensive coordinator call, call plays a bit more. I, th- I think that'll, that'll be interesting to see what, what route we go. But uh, – Big deal, dude. Again, like not trying to say the exact same damn thing. I want someone good. Um, yeah. I want someone that we have a reason to get excited about. If that's Andy Thomas from Sac State defensive coordinator, I'll get excited about it. If that's Joel Thomas, a Vandal connection from New Orleans States, I'm going to get excited about that. Love that. Yeah. Well, then, well, let's go with that there, ball game. Nicholas Davis in the comment section. Joel Thomas was on the cable staff. I don't know if I could go. With anybody from that staff, why should I change my mind? Are you a Joel Thomas guy? And if so, what, what's Nick missing here? Big time. And I don't associate Joel Thomas's coaching career with his short stint at his alma mater doing Tom Cable a favor. I look at what he's done in the NFL with some of the programs he's been in. I mean, Sean Payton vouches for this guy. Joel Thomas has had a front row seat. He's had a Ivy League level education in offense from Sean Payton, front row seat in the class for a long time. The question is with Joel Thomas's career, he has no head coaching experience. I get that. Again, you're Idaho, though. Again, he's done Sean Payton PhD work. I think he's got a nice resume. I've heard things about his management skills being a great fit for a head coach. Maybe he's not going to come there and call plays. Good. He's going to come there and be a manager and get this program accountable for some stuff again. Maybe that it wasn't so much in the Petrino era, but more so win. And as an alum coming back, firing the fan base up, I think that's going to be part of it too. I'm I'm okay with Joel Thomas. If they made that hire, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely I'd support that. Yeah, and I think you're looking at a guy there like, uh, Boatman and I, he's touched on this, like, cause he, he was higher on Joel Thomas than I was initially. And he's kind of talking to this, like kind of goes back to what everybody was talking about when Jason Gesser was the interim and like, should he get the job of like talking about being able to recruit the Northwest? It's like one, he's like a Port Angeles or Port Orchard, one of the ports over in the West side of Washington. Uh, so, you know, he's, a, he knows how to recruit the West side of Washington, went to Idaho. So he gets that. He played in the big sky and at the FBS level. He played Montana, so he gets the Montana rivalry. He also gets kind of like how you could utilize the Boise State thing to your advantage. He adds some of that personality, that edge that could get eyes in. But most importantly, like, if you don't know who Joel Thomas is, like, because you're not from the Northwest, you're not a Vanta fan, whatever, like, he gets to walk into any living room and said, I've coached Alvin Kamara for four years. You know, like, that's a big sell to some people. And Martin yeah, I mean, year he that. was on Tom Cable's staff 20 years ago. No, I'm not going to eliminate Joel Thomas's candidacy because of the Tom Cable connection. No, yeah, I know fans would be lucky if Joel Thomas 
convince them in interview if he's even interested. My yeah, opinion. I, yeah, 100% agree because, like, you're leaving the NFL at that point. Uh, and I agree with that, too, because I think another great candidate is Ed Lamb, who is a defense coordinator at the same time uh, for at the end of Cable's career. Once again, Tom Cable took a 28-year-old who was a grad assistant at BYU and made him a defensive coordinator. Like, that goes to show more that Cable put people not in positions to succeed at the time than it does that those guys were bad coaches is, is more where I'm going with that. Because I think Two. you get either of those, the offensive coordinator or defense coordinator from the table, it's cable staff, uh, you'd be extremely lucky. I think they'd both be good. I also get why either of them might not be interested, and I do get why some people would have some you know reservations. Well, another thing, too, there in terms of how do we associate someone based off being on someone else's staff – now, ballgame, completely agree with what you say about Joel Thomas has a background we should be excited about, but this is in response to the question. Just working under another coach doesn't mean you absorb everything through osmosis. I mean, in the state of Idaho, we just saw this. Rob Fennessy was offensive coordinator for Bobby Howick at Montana in that first run where Montana makes the national championship a couple times. How did Rob Fennessy do? Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, I – Look at every no question. <laughs> no question. I'm just saying what Joel Thomas, what his resume does show, because obviously you're right. He has not been a head coach. So I, you know, maybe he learned, you'd think, you know, for six years, you'd pick up a thing or two. You know, he was on uh, staff at Washington, as you know, coaching at high level, Pac-10, Pac-12 ball. I just, yeah, I like his resume, but no question. I'm not saying he's, he's the, he's the, the number one overall candidate, but yeah, no, I, I think he should I, be in the mix. No ball game. I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying for this guy's question where he's talking about a guy younger having experience under Tom Cable. That's why we write him off. Well, a younger Rob Fennessy had good experience with Bobby Howe. It did, didn't matter for him. Joel Thomas had a ton of positive experiences. There's no reason to write him off. And this is another, we're also just going to have to live with this being FPS, big, FCS, big sky. We're going to have some guys who don't have head coaching experience maybe be very good candidates. I mean, look at Troy Taylor at Sacramento State. He's older when he goes to Sacramento State relative to a lot of people starting their head coaching careers. He goes to Sacramento State very likely because he's a Sacramento guy. Went to high school just outside of Sacramento, plays college ball at Cal Berkeley, coached high school at Folsom High School in Sacramento. Well, he's done fine. Back-to-back league, full regular season league championships. We're just going to have to live with the fact that some guys get their first head coaching shot here, and we got We have to hope that we pick, we get the right guy. The best credibility markers we have for that are were they at good places, and did the places they were at that we consider to be good, do they seem to be better because of that guy? I'm pretty sure Joel Thomas at this point probably checks those boxes. How how what's the importance level of FCS experience for you guys with this potential hire? I that is, is it a box you want checked? I knows I, the big sky. Like, do you I, want that? I think I once again, it's kind of like the excitement thing. I think I prefer it. And that being said, I think I prefer at the West Coast, like big sky level for sure. Because the Big Sky is such a different animal than every other FCS conference. I mean, it's football out west is just a different animal. Uh, the traveling distance, the state being able to recruit like places like Nevada, where there's only a handful of dudes. Mm. Like, yeah, if we get a guy that's only coached at like 
southeastern Louisiana and James Madison, then yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, but I think you see guys like Craig Bull and Brett Vegan, who come from North Dakota State, move out west and not seem to have as much struggles with it. But I think FCS is important. But then again, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Troy Taylor had any FCS, uh, you know, stuff. And then did Jeff Choate have any FCS before making the move? Taylor had a single year as the OC at Eastern Washington before he became That's OC right. at University of Utah. But in, in terms of the, of that hire, obviously the experience at Utah is a bigger deal than his experience at Eastern. Choate, I mean, he might have had early career experience, but it'd be in those like formative formative years where, look, he wasn't going to be a head coach at that point anyway. It's not like it's going to hurt necessarily, but it wouldn't exactly move the needle. I mean, look, hey, Paul Petrino had FB, FCS experience at Division One AA at the time. He, he was wide receivers coach at Idaho when he was younger. Well, that was irrelevant. So for me, ball game, I, not necessarily. Like, I mean, if we have, I guess I would say if it's a, if it's a head coach, if it's a guy with head coaching experience and they have FCS experience, like Ed Lamb, if he decided to come back, I would say, well, his experience is on Utah lets me know he's probably fine. But a lot of the coordinators are going to be promising candidates will not necessarily have that experience. And I don't care. What I care is that they look like a promising candidate who can excite the fan base. They look like a guy who's going to be able to give this team an identity that we can wrap, that we can wrap ourselves around. And the other is, like you said, ball game. If if we can get a candidate who's energetic, who will engage with the fan base, all the better. But that matter, all those matter more to me than did he coach in Montana? Did he coach yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't give a rip about previous Big Sky experience as far as finding the right candidate. It's another bonus, possibly. But uh, just want to know what you guys thought of that. Yeah, there's your show back. Yeah, Jeff Cho, one year at Eastern Illinois as special teams before going to Boise State and starting his Boise State tree. But, so, yeah. like, there you go. Like, we're talking about all these guys. Um, so I want to pick your brain. You, you go through Boise uh, and some names that we haven't thrown out or whatever, like Kane Ione. I mean, are there any or former Broncos that are in the coaching ranks that you think – because we are, are you kind of on the train? We have some vandals are like, if they're connected to BSU, whether they're alumni or coach there, you know, toss them aside or I personally, I'm like, man, if they're there under Peterson and even a little bit of Harson, um, I mean, I think they're guys. Yeah. At least have to look at, I think we can't swallow, you know, swallow your pride a bit there and, you know, take a look. I I mean, I don't think anybody on the Boise state staff would be a candidate for the Idaho gig. You mentioned, I saw your article Hammond uh, Kirby Moore. It's like yep. a dark horse type of candidate. There's some Boise State tie there, but yeah. uh, I don't. I'm not. I'm not certain. And and Kirby, um, he's making decent money as a receiver coach at Fresno, and I think I think DeBoer is going to get a bigger gig in the next year or two, and maybe yeah. Kirby kind of goes with him. I also think Kirby, um, at some point when Kellen gets to be a head coach in the NFL, those guys are really close, man. Uh, I know those guys, and, and they've been developing this playbook together for since they were nine years old. You know, if Kellen has an opportunity to put Kirby on his staff, I think he'll do it because Kellen knows what a good cur- coach Kirby is. But I would love 
You kidding Kirby Moore? If he if he got hired head coach Idaho, oh, I would love that, man. I would love that. Yeah. Uh, so who are kind of you know? Obviously, I've put a lot of my names out there. Who are some guys that you think would be good for this this job? Scott Linehan makes a lot of sense for me, guys. He's okay, been everywhere. It's yeah. it's a perfect full circle type of deal. Um, can I jump in on the Scott thing really quick? Yeah, sure. Which sorry, sorry for interrupting. The only thing I want to bring up is whenever Scott's brought up the idea of Matt getting brought, uh, Matt Linehan getting brought back, brought over here to coach is brought up, and the only brackets I want to put around that is I don't want. Um, a coordinator hired because of their their genes. It's not really working out that great for Max McCaffrey at Northern Colorado, where he's hired as OC because he's a McCaffrey and Northern Colorado's offense was dog shit this year. Not working out that great for Cody Hawkins. I mean, Davis made the playoffs, but no one's going to accuse that offense of being electric. Uh, when, it, when people associate like having a uh, son get hired, it sidesteps the entire medic, meritocratic part of coaching. So I would be excited potentially for Scott Linehan, but the idea of Matt coming over just because he's Scott's son doesn't necessarily excite me. If he's a great, if he's a good candidate to, as a supporting coach, I mean, that's separate, but only want to touch on that because we did t- talk about last episode and lots of people do the uh, family part doesn't excite me at all, but the NFL experience of Linehan does. Absolutely. And, and, and a guy with Scott Linehan's resume the only chance you have at him, Marceau, is saying, hey, uh, we're Idaho. We're, we're your alum. Come home. Come help us. Other than that, I mean, Scott Linehan, if he would have played ball at Eastern Illinois, he's not even a remote candidate. So that's why I like the family card. I'm willing to give a little bit on whether he's bringing his kid with him or his nephew, whatever. I'm willing to give a little on that if I know I'm going to get Scott Linehan who cares about his alma mater, who wants to be a head coach again, and nobody is ba- is, is is knocking on his door right now. Uh, for, for me, I'm willing to be okay. Matt's going to come coach quarterbacks. I think that would be fun um, for the fan base. People like Matt Linehan. It was different with Mason Petrino, man. Linehan won a bowl game. As far as I'm concerned, he doesn't need to pay for a beer at the corner club the rest of his life, like Nathan Enderley and my man John Welsh, too. You win a bowl game as a Vandal quarterback corner club, and you guys, I know they're going to watch this. They're in the house. Um, well, that'd be bad. I guess. <laughs> Just kidding. But uh, I think that would be fun. Um, I know if you want to keep moving, sorry I'm taking too much time up, but I think Scott Linehan would be a, 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 a nice hire. I would support that. I'd, I'd be excited. Yeah. No, the reason I bring that up to move on from that, for, from my end at least, is – there's lots of people who bring up the idea of Scott and are excited at the idea of Matt as like OC. And look, if Matt, like if Matt is a good candidate, then I'm excited about it. I am not excited yeah. at all about the idea of be, because of, because of the last name, we should be excited about this like additional OC. I know that Boatman brought up the idea of like, you know, a succession uh, quote unquote, which of course the athletic directors would have no, likely Terry wouldn't be here by the time we'd get a new football coach, meaning there would be nothing binding, even if it was a thought to be some, some sort of understanding. Yeah. Let's not even to get to fun. that bridge yet. Yeah. You know, let's I'm not even the get there yet. Marceau. That's way down the road. If Scott Linehan wants this gig, 
Hire him. Let him do the staff how he likes. You're picking apart Linehan's staff. We're going to be happy if he wants this gig. Dude, I am happy if he wants this gig. I'm bringing up something a ton of people have brought up. One of our hosts brought it up on our own show. That's the whole point. I do think he – I think Boatman was trying to play that down from the get-go and say, Matt would come back on staff. I think we're thinking running back quarterback coach. That's I don't fine. think anyone assumes he's going to be OC. Uh, I don't care where he is. Uh, Scott yeah. Linehan, I think, can handle his own in the big sky at a level higher than Paul Petrino, in my opinion. I think that would be a nice hire. Yeah. Uh, another guy you got to kind of see up close and personal that some Vandals want. Uh, once again, kind of a, two guys are kind of out, out of our realm of possibilities. One being Casey Dunn, offensive coordinator for Oklahoma State, which talk about a guy who, like, if they weren't doing so good, maybe, but like, I really think he's about a guy that's about to take off. And then obviously Brian Lindgren also off its coordinator at Oregon state. I mean, are those like, I'd like to say those are obvious. Like, yeah, if they're interested, yes. But I feel like both those guys have programs that are about to possibly win their conferences. And if their coaches don't get bigger and better jobs, man, I don't think Gundy's going anywhere, but like Casey Dunn's going to be a candidate for like, if Aranda leaves Baylor, he could be coaching Baylor next year. You know, like for sure. I just think that's I, not I happening. It. Yeah, if they're in, yeah. I'm in. But I just don't. That's think not happening. Those guys are in, in my opinion. But Lindgren, I remember he was in the running when they hired Coach Petrino. I think he was at San Jose State at the time. Um, I'm a Brian Lindgren fan. If you look at the trajectory of where Lindgren's career is going versus Linehan's career. That's why I think Linehan makes more sense. Lindgren is still coming up. Linehan, I think, might just be willing to take a gig and have one more job and call it quits. Lindgren would be an awesome hire. He knows the state of California really well. Now he's been in the Northwest. They're clearly doing good things there. And I just, that was the other thing. Like, at what point does Brian Lindgren become the hot OC in the Pac-12? What, this time next year, maybe? What, the following year? I think it's coming at some point. He's got to have to love the I-D-A-H-O to come back and and basically take chicken poop and make chicken salad out of it. Tough to do when he can kind of do what he's doing now, and at some point he's going to get a get a ring from a Mountain West or a Pac-12 school possibly. I don't know, man. But, yeah, Lindgren, if you guys like that higher, I'm with you there. I think that would be awesome, but. And I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I want to, I want to press you on. I think one more guy that I can put a tie to that you, you've kind of gotten to see a little bit up close, personally covering the Broncos a little bit. What do you think about Matt Mummy? He was a guy that was pretty high for me, offensive coordinator for Nevada. I think you're looking at strong, possibly being a day one quarterback, probably day two, but possibly day one. Uh, I know he's a failed former head coach at a D two level. But he's kind of off that Mike Leach and obviously Hal Mummy tree. You get that exciting offense. He is kind of a wacky, energetic dude who, once again, like you're looking at salary requirements, he's making what we would assume the Idaho head coach is going to make more uh, than the current offensive coordinator at Nevada, according to what you know, we've kind of heard. So it's like, yep, you know, that's a guy. It, it just goes, does he want to be a head coach again? And then once again, Nevada, the way they've been the last like three or four years that he's been there. Yeah, if somebody he could have the next UNLV job when that opens up. So I, but like, do you think you saw the offense? Do you think that's more Jay Norvell, or do you think that Matt Mummy would be like? Would that be a hire that would get ball game excited down in Boise? Well, 
Norvell's been doing it a long time, and I personally think – I mean, Jay Norvell right now, guys, is the lowest paid coach in the Mountain West, and that's embarrassing. And yeah. I don't believe – I mean, I don't think Jay Norvell – he might not be in Reno next year. He's doing a good job. I mean, this is the perfect time. Carson Strong is going to be gone. You know, be Billy Zane from Titanic. Grab the little girl, hop on the lifeboat, and say, I need to leave with her. I mean, get out of there. And Reno, if Jay Norvell can parlay that into a better gig, Matt Mummy all of a sudden becomes your number one choice in-house. So I think Matt Mummy might be coaching Nevada next year. Um, if, if, if Idaho could get him, sure, sure. Um, I think there's going to be other candidates there too, but I wouldn't, if I find out Matt Mummy, if Tubbs at the club breaks, Matt Mummy hired by the Vandals, I, I won't be pissed off. I'll be like, okay, cool, whatever, you know? Matt Mummy, there's a flaw that in his resume that Chris already touched on that I think is almost makes him a non-starter, which is his head coaching record at D2 LaGrange. 12 and 20 uh, in four seasons, 11 and 18 in conference. And there's like, there's essentially no, there was a downward trajectory. He uh, first full season, he went five and five and they go two and seven, three and seven. Um, that to me is a, that's, I mean, that's a bigger red flag to me than Ian Schumacher being, you know, let go at Eastern pretty early. So I, yeah. I, I mean, there, there's reason to be excited. He's got good experience, Chris, you're right there. But in terms of, uh, things the fan base would be anxious about, things you'd expect Terry Golick and Scott Green to be anxious about. With that as his evidence of running the ship, I'd expect he just isn't on the table. Yeah, Think I'd about who's like, making this hire, guys. It, yeah. Right? I mean, that's a, that's a big thing here. Like, and I think that has to be like, for example, you hear the Rolovich rumors, okay? Which would be so much fun, I think, and a lot of people would love that in the state and. You're getting a way overqualified coach if you can convince Rolovich to do this. But I can't see Golick and Green making that move. Like, that's a gutsy play, man. And I I don't see them making that move. But that would be that would be such a topic on Sports Talk Radio. That would get – I mean, yeah, obviously, Brian kind of pointed to me because I'm the one who – I don't want to say started it, but I definitely am the one who's, like, not shied away from it remotely – uh, he's attended a bunch of games at Idaho. It, you're right, it's going to take a special team to actually admit to doing it. And I just think, like, we're in a state where it would be allowed and hopefully we could just surface that wave of criticism. And at the same time, there's nobody more popular right now in the you know the Capitol building in terms of academia than Scott Green. He's, he's probably allowed to take one, you know, I'll, I'll wear this one in perception of some government officials. But, yeah, I mean, I, I 100% agree there's a reason Terry Golick was brought in. It's because the athletic department was a mess. So do you really want to risk it being a mess again? I just think you look at, like, proven winner at difficult places to win. I think you're looking at Washington State. Obviously, they're doing their own thing right now. Down four coaches. Like, if he was still there, who knows? They probably do win the Pac-12 this year. So it's like. Ah, man, if you could get him on the cheap and just get a little bit of that culture, because I, I think it's like the Jeff Choke thing. You get them in, it's awesome, but they're gone in one, two seasons for sure. And I got I got to hop off real quick, guys. So uh, closing points, when we, we're going to get to the pick them later. 
Eastern beats perennial. Eastern Washington is going to beat the team that is structurally not allowed to miss the playoffs, Northern Iowa. UC Davis is going to absolutely crash and burn at South Dakota State. Ball game, always great to have you on. I'll see you guys later. See you, Marceau. All right, ball game. So we're coming up about 50 minutes. So we got about 10 more minutes. I mean, is there anybody else on the coaching search you kind of want to, you know, let Vandal listeners think like, hey, hear this guy out or, you know, look into this guy's resume. Are you in on the Linehan train? I, I have several coaches I think I would I would support. You mentioned Joel Thomas. I think Doug Neusmeyer, no chance, but I would love that. Um, you know, Lindgren, you know, Shiloh Ko is a name out there that I would love. I know he's interested. Um, there's a lot. Be, you think he could be head coach? I don't know yet, um, but I, sometimes you got to give a guy a shot. I know he was on Saban's staff last year in Alabama. I know he played in the NFL for seven years. He was on Mike Morosky's staff at the College of Idaho. He's mega passionate. He's young. He's really enthusiastic. I know he developed a staff similar to him, and it would be fun. He's one of the best players in program history. If that's something that fans might come back, oh, Shiloh's run on the program, I'll support that. But you're right, as far as like head coaching experience, none. But he can tell you he studied under Wade Phillips running defense in the NFL for a good part of a decade. Hey, maybe you can call Wade Phillips to come up to be his defensive coordinator. Would you like that? Wade Phillips wants to get into coaching. Kidding, obviously. But, no, I mean. um, I actually want to ask you, you kind of tied one there. What about Murawski? We've heard that name thrown around a bit. You think you could make the NAIA jump? Yeah. Well, I mean, the guy was was in Davis. The guy was in Davis for 30 years after he finished playing for Bill Walsh with the 49ers. A guy knows offense. He's a great guy. Um, as far as relating with the community, I think he does a pretty good job out in Caldwell. That would be an outside-the-box hire if they looked at Mike Morosky, but I'd support it. I, I like Coach Mo. Um, here's what I want, though, Hammond. Okay. Yeah, throw it at It's you. not necessarily a guy. I mean, I just I, – I, I got a vision, you know. I remember 2008, November 15th, 2008, I'm I'm calling the game for KUOI, the student station up there, with Tom Purvis. We were calling the game. It was Boise State at Idaho. And, I mean, they came in there like the Beatles. Kellen Moore, Ian Johnson, star-studded, Chris Peterson. They were ranked like ninth at the time, top ten team. And I remember the weekend, Bronco Nation coming up. Idaho, super fired up. And I was in the Kibbe Dome that game. And people watching this, if they were at that game too, they'll they'll remember. They'll know. That's and the Daniel Hardy rollover game, right? First play of the game. My man Daniel Hardy catches like almost like a banana route, misses, <laughs> breaks a tackle or two, and goes 81 yards. First play. And so and I'll tell you this, I've the Beatles could have been performing at midfield, right? It was that loud. And I had this vision, and I'm on the air, and it's white noise. I'm talking to Purvis. Oh, my God. The Beatles are up 6 nothing. Nathan Enderley, Daniel Hardy. You know, it was just the, the crowd, Hammond. Like, it was – I wish I had the audio of it, but 
Like, that's what I would love. That's what I thought when they went down to Big Sky. I thought, okay, not to that level, but man, if you get two top 10 teams and Montana's in town or Eastern or Idaho State is a rival, if we can get anywhere close to that, like you, tickets are tough to get. That Boise State game, you couldn't get a ticket. Like Hammond, it was just packed. It's probably yeah. 40,000 people found a way into the dome. And yeah. that's the vision. Whoever they hire, like that's, that's who I want. I want to, I want someone who's going to come in who's going to be able to get the program at a point where those type of atmospheres can return to the Kibbe. Cause it's yeah. been a ghost town and Paul Petrino. I respect the heck out of him as a football coach. He doesn't help your attendance and, and when you don't win. Yeah. And, um, I mean, well, you have to win, but I, I, that was the vision I had of going to the big sky, like getting the dome rolling with some big regional teams coming in. And these teams are coming in and I see the crowd and I'm like, damn, nobody cares. Like, yeah. oh, it's nobody cares. So whoever super- comes in, get them to care. And, and the Kibbe Dome is a blast to see a game in, man. There's no bad seat. I love it. So Damn. that's my vision. I necessarily names, you know, throwing out there. Kirby Moore, Shiloh Ko, you know, Joel Thomas, Newsmeyer, all the guys we talked about. Like, you know, hopefully they make the right decision and, and I'll initially support the decision. I, I, I'm pretty sure I will. Yeah. But so I want that last, vision back. Right. So one last question before we get right, – well, we're off names. Like one last question before we close it out then. What would you, what's your timeline? Like, because we've heard rumors, you know, could be, well, uh, Terry Gollick made the joke. I mean, I'm assuming it was a joke in like her press conference. Like, you know, we could make the hire in January. I mean, we were looking, Paul Petrino was hired in 42 or 43 days. And obviously that was after firing a coach mid-season. And we're all talking like last time we hired, the early signing period wasn't a thing. And your early signing period is basically signing period now. So like, Mm -hmm. We were thinking, like, Boatman and I were saying, like, 21 days is, like, the top. But, like, I mean, what's your opinion on that? Because some people are like, I don't care. Like, Brian, I, I don't want to put words in his mouth. He's probably more on the side. Like, just get it right. I don't. I don't yeah, care. that's kind of where I am. I'm with Boatman on that one because I, you'd like it to be this weekend. Great. We found the perfect candidate. Everything's great. Stars are aligned. Let's see if we can salvage some sort of recruiting season. Great. But this can't be about 2022, right? You need to find the right coach that's hopefully going to take you into 2027, whatever, five years from now. So hopefully they can find it sooner than later. But, you know, these are tricky. Some coaches obviously have jobs right now, and they're they're with their current team. And who knows, if it's an NFL guy, I mean, Joel Thomas or something, I mean, this season's, you know, he's got a couple months left, at least six weeks or so, so. But, yeah, it's fun, though. Coaching searches, like I said before, on Sports Talk Radio, your coach gets fired or he leaves. Uh, it's like it's the perfect, perfect sports radio topic. So thanks yep. again for having me on, Hammond. Yep, we appreciate it. And like we said, uh, listeners out there, let us know because we're assuming this is probably content you guys are going to want until somebody's hired. Uh, let us know otherwise. But uh, ball game, you thank for coming on. I want to thank you for coming on. We're just thank you back and forth here. Uh, for the people that don't know, because we do have some listeners from like Montana and such, uh, tell them who you are and how they can find you if uh, you know they want to kind of keep up with Prater in the ball game. Oh uh, yeah, ktik.com. I guess I host afternoons in Boise, Idaho. Twitter at ballgame underscore ktik. 
Yep. You don't all need right. to follow me, though. I suck. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's all fun, and uh, it's just always good to have Vandals on, talk about it. Um, and once again, thank you for coming on. Always good. Everybody, make sure you join Tubs at our Patreon.com backslash Tubs at the Club. We got like three ads last week, so thank you guys. Breaking the news was awesome. Um, and, you know, we hope to be able to do more of that stuff and uh, all the support helps. With that, we'll leave it to Colby a Cup to play this out with the uh, Moscow Drinking Team song. Go Vandals. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the Vandals and the craft. I'll just out there living the dream. Part of one and only Moscow drinking.